It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side. Dolphin season is just around the corner. We're just past the third preseason game, heading into the fourth one against the Tennessee Titans. Paul, I got to say, when looking at this game, the Dolphins win this preseason game 17-6, to the ever-important third preseason game, the dress rehearsal. The scoreboard may say it was a boring game, but if this was a dress rehearsal, when you look at the Dolphins and you re-watch the game, I was pretty impressed. I was too. With the vast majority of folks out on that field, I, I was very impressed, especially when we're talking about starting groups versus starting groups. I thought the Dolphins did a very good job in a lot of aspects in this game. Looking at the Dolphins in the first couple of drives, the first drive, the Dolphins are going down the field and Ryan Tannehill drops back, throws the ball. It's tipped, kind of a fluke play. It ends up in the hands, I believe, of Desmond Trufant over Kenny Stills' head. The second drive, offensive pass interference by Jarvis Landry stalls that drive, and then they punt, but it was pretty much smooth sailing after that. On the third drive, the Dolphins get into the end zone, go up 7 to nothing, and end up eventually winning the game 17-6. to They had put 14 points on the board by halftime as well, so uh, pretty good. And we'll talk about a lot of different units here. Talk about three players that really stuck out for us for the good, three players that stuck out for us for the bad, as well as going position by position, see what really stuck out for us, not just from the starters, but from the remaining players as well. In other NFL news, the San Diego Chargers finally signed defensive end Joey Bosa, the third overall pick of the NFL draft, and son of former Miami Dolphin, short-lived Miami Dolphins first-rounder, John Bosa. Paul, it's August 29th. Joey Bosa's just getting into camp for the Chargers. Yeah, I think this is a perfect storm here because you look back, John Bosa held out forever back when he first got drafted by Miami and had a very short-lived, very relevant career, or irrelevant career, really. And then you look at the Chargers. They're an organization that has had a lot of history of first-round picks holding out, people not wanting to go there because of the dealing. So they're there's a little bit to look at from both sides here. This this was a little bit ridiculous the way it went on and the way it got played out in the media. And thank God it's over with because this had about as much interest for me as the Brett Favre bottom line when he was going through all his retirement crap. Don't care. Don't care. Get, get your ass in camp and be a mediocre defensive lineman that got their third overall. Good for you, bud. Longest holdout since 2009 in Michael Crabtree, which was a completely different ordeal. Yeah, I mean, there's so little wiggle room in these negotiations after the CBA agreement was reached in 2011. It's shocking that this has happened. Glad he gets in there. I, I want to see Joey Bosa play. I, th- I think he's going to be a very good player for them as long as he's not too far behind the eight ball. Colin Kaepernick also made some news this past week refusing to stand for the national anthem because, in his words, he's not going to support a country that oppresses black people. Are you buying this, Paul, or is this a sign of blatant disrespect from Colin Kaepernick? I'm buying it, but I'm also finding it to be a joke. You can't have both. Stand up. Stand up. Sit down. Who cares? I, I, I I do support the idea of standing up for it, but I also support people have a right to not stand up for it. This is just such a ridiculous story at this point. 
let's just give up on it. And then, you know, Sandry won't I like him or don't. It's it's such a moot point. And if, if, if that's really what you want to focus on, when Monday Night Football comes on, flip over to uh, CBS or ABC or whichever damn channel The Bachelor's on and, and watch that instead because it's just drama for the sake of drama. It, well, it's drama for the sake of drama. And I, I'm sorry, but Colin Kaepernick's an idiot. And, and let me tell you this. He says that he is standing up for people that don't have a voice. Meanwhile, talking down about police officers who he claims are, are murdering people in the street on a daily basis. The most uneducated, stupid opinion I've ever heard in my life. Let me tell you, I wonder if Colin Kaepernick knows that there's been a 45% increase in murdered cops this year. I didn't hear him mention that. So, no, this I, I admire somebody standing up for somebody, standing up for the voiceless. I admire that. But I wonder if Colin Kaepernick is well-educated on the issue. Um, people can say all they want about the First Amendment, and yeah, he has the right to say it. Of course he has the right to say it. It's America. It's what makes the country great. But And, and Colin Kaepernick's going to get $19 million to be very, very bad at his job. Oppressed my ass is my response to that. Paul, in Miami Dolphins news, something we really didn't expect, the Dolphins have traded defensive end Chris McCain to the New Orleans Saints for a conditional seventh-round draft pick. Does this surprise you? Not especially. I, I mean, the Dolphins have a few players that are sitting on a bubble that, let's face it, if they're able to get something in return, it makes their decision a whole lot easier. And the fact that there is a decision point there doesn't mean that he's differentiating himself from anyone else that they're playing on keeping. So, hey, more power to him. He's been a class act in Miami. Best of luck to him in New Orleans. He's not in the division, so I can wish him good luck most games. Best of luck to him, indeed. Uh, he's going to go to New Orleans, going to play as a 3-4 outside linebacker there, get a fresh start. Good for him. Yeah, it doesn't really surprise me. I think the Dolphins had made, had reached the opinion if they're going to trade him, then they, they had decided already that he probably wasn't going to make the roster. And I wonder if that's in any way related to something I saw on tape uh, this, past, uh, this, this past week on the Falcons' long kickoff return. I saw Chris McCain specifically. He can really depend on to, to carry out his assignments every time. Anyway, let's move on to more important things. The Dolphins win this game 17-6. to A lot of very good performances, Paul. What are three that really stuck out for you? For me, Ryan Tannehill stood out yet again. Uh, he, he's making good decisions in the pocket. He, <laughs> I like the way that they, they ran the offense with him. Even if they did force him to throw to Jordan Cameron after a couple of previous drops and one blatant rollout where he pulled back to throw to Cameron, wasn't even pump fake, and, and essentially almost looked panicked. Like, oh, crap, wait, no, I'm not throwing it to Cameron. And turned and fired a bullet to Deion Sims instead. So, uh, bravo to Tannehill. He just continues to impress this preseason. And I'm really hoping we see that carry over into the regular season. I doubt we'll see any of it, if more than maybe a couple of throws in the season, in the preseason finale. Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan Tannehill had another good preseason game. Again, looking at uh, the, the first drive, yeah, it, technically it ended on an interception. Uh, Brooks Reed got his hands up, tipped the ball, tipped it over Kenny Stills' head right into the arms of, of a cornerback. Sometimes that's going to happen during a game. 
And But overall, I thought he continued to march and march his way down the field. I love this look that the Dolphins have at wide receiver when Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry are all on the field together. Pass protection was phenomenal, and, and Ryan Tannehill had time to do his thing. So, Paul, who's number two for you? Number two is actually going to be Laramie Thompson. He got in, he got the start, did his share of keeping Ryan Tannehill clean, looked very good out there as a rookie, and I think went ahead and cemented himself as the starter going into the season, which is something we've all been looking for. He, he wasn't as good as some in the run game, but I'll take it. I'll take the good with the bad. Like a few folks have noted, we've got three former left tackles, possibly starting on the offensive line. And, and I thought he did a fantastic job in, in pass protection. Yeah, it, it, I mean, looking at Laramie Tunzel and Anthony Steen, these are two players very young. I mean, Anthony Steen's 26, Laramie Tunzel is what, 21? And they are really making us quickly forget on the, the interior of that line about Mike Pouncey at this point. Tunzel played very, very well. If he plays as well at left tackle in the future as he is at left guard right now, I think you have a lot to look forward to. How about number three? Number three for me, there's, there's a lot of folks that could have been I thought about maybe Anthony Steen or Kiko Alonso, who did step up in this game, but really I, I've got to give it to Cole Misi. Cole Misi was all over the field, almost single-handedly taking advantage of the gaps in the wide nine scheme up front and blowing through and making tackles in the backfield, stuffing the running backs, giving a very good running back in Devonta Freeman fits all day and really just absolutely stout in the run game and looked like the player that, we all thought he could be at one point in time. The whole linebacker crew took a huge step up this week. Not just Kiko Alonso, or not just Koamisi, but Kiko Alonso, Jelani Jenkins. For everything bad we've said about him the last two weeks, I think they played that much better this week. Not only in uh, pass coverage, but also run defense as well. For my top three, my number one is going to be wide receiver Kenny Stills. I mean, I, that may be a little bit of a surprise because he only had four catches for 46 yards, but Kenny Stills played a quarter and a half, Paul, and he went up against Desmond Trufant, who, who Ian Wharton believed was the best quarterback in the league last year based on film. Kenny Stills has four catches for 46 yards, and in addition to that, also drew a, a defensive holding call in the quarter as well that, that led to the Dolphins' first drive. Man, oh man, this guy, might be, he might be the real deal. Yeah, it's, it's funny that we actually can qualify justification for a good performance with he only had four catches for 46 yards. That's not a bad stat line to begin with. And the fact that that's something that we have to bring up is, I know he only, I, I'm more than pleased with it. shows that this kid has not only performed well in this game, but in previous games. And I'm with you. I'm really excited to see what we see from him this season. Number two for me is Arian Foster. I think we saw what Arian Foster could potentially bring. Three plays really jump out at me. One, uh, uh, on a dump-off pass, Arian Foster, after the, after the snap, blocks, goes out into the flat, catches a pass, makes a defender miss, goes forward. I believe it was a gain of 18 yards. Then on with third, and, third and three in the Dolphins' first drive, our first scoring drive, Arian Foster catches a, a, a five-yard pass, sets it up first and goal at the two. Slip, just slipping out of the backfield, nothing special, just making smooth, solid plays. And then you look at, at his touchdown run of two yards as well. Yeah, he's got a good shot at being that starter. 
But to be honest with you, I really think there's going to be platooning between him and Ajayi, which I'm okay with, with a healthy dose of Isaiah P if he, if he is truly healthy. So I, I really like what I've seen from those guys. I know we haven't seen anything from Kenny Drake yet, but one thing with Foster, I will say, is he makes it look so casual when he makes those moves and when he gets when he basically breaks into the clear. It's just like, oh, yeah, there was a guy there. We're good. Uh, I'm past him. Whatever. And that's kind of exciting in its own way. So I won't disagree with you on Foster here. Yeah, and just like I said last week, it's hard to tell the difference between patience and speed with Foster. And I think we saw a lot more of that patience this week against the Atlanta Falcons. Number three for me is, since we talked about Anthony Steen already, Julius Wormsley, the defensive tackle, to me has earned a roster spot. In the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter of these games, he is the one that is constantly jumping out on film, breaking into the backfield constant. Great first move, leads the Dolphins in sacks this preseason. Man, oh man, I, I, I think that's something to be noted. Yeah, I really hope that, I know starters, if they play, are only going to play a series or two, if that, in the fourth game. I really hope that we can see Wormsley get in early to see what he truly looks like against the players that are going to be making these rosters. And, and, and feel for this kid because I would really like what I saw, and I really, really hope he beats out Chris Jones. He's gonna have Chris Jones' roster spot, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, I, I really like this kid. And I'm glad you brought him up, Paul. Even though it was a good performance for the Dolphins, especially the first and second stringers, we also had a few bad performances as well. Who are three players that stuck out at you for the wrong reasons? I really love to use Jordan Cameron for all three at this point. And all, all kidding aside, one thought has occurred to me. And when you watch him play, the man has hands of stone at this point. The only good thing I'll say that he did in this game was the uh, tight end trap that they seem to be running on offense. I like that play. It, it, you can't run it too, too often or defensive ends will be expecting it. But he did run that play well. But his hands are just stone. And, and the one thing that kind of occurred to me is I know when folks get concussions, let alone a number of them, there tends to be some nerve issues and physiological issues that remain in some instances. I'm almost starting to wonder at the point because, let's face it, last season, he didn't have good hands. This season, he sure as hell doesn't have good hands. They almost seem worse, which I didn't think was possible. I'm almost starting to wonder if there's some type of remaining damage from all the concussions that he's had in his career because you can't be a receiving threat if you can't catch the ball. So I can't imagine his hands dropped off that much all on their own. There's something going on, that's for sure, because he dropped two passes again. And one of them, again, was in the end zone. I mean, I, I don't know if it was specifically a drop, but it's a ball that he was in a one-on-one -on -one situation. You had four Dolphins receivers on one side in a really cool-looking formation. And then and Cameron one-on-one -on, -one on the right side. He, he took a step up took a slant, the ball was there where it needed to be, and, and he didn't come down with it. I mean, it, you know, I, I think at this point he's a better blocker than a receiver, and that's scary to say. Who's number two for you, Paul? Number two, and this one's going to come as a bit of a surprise to a lot of folks when I, when I name this guy, but Jermon Bushrod. Granted, he was part of that starting line that kept Tannehill clean all game, but when I watched him in pass protection, he was getting pushed back. He was barely grabbing onto these guys, and I will use the word grabbing on. I saw a lot of what worried me when Paul Soliai took over at center for a little while for Mike Pouncey, where, yeah, you look at the stats, you look at the fact that he's technically getting the job done, it's all well and good, but that's only going to last so long when you are making a play in that fashion. And when I look at that and saw it repeatedly, I'm still in the camp that Billy Turner should actually take his spot at right guard. 
because he may be a very, very good backup, but I'm not sure he's going to continue to get the jobs done against some better defensive tackles, especially when you look within the division. Yeah, me too. I mean, Bushrod did not impress me that much. This game, to me, was even worse than the last one. And I, I see Billy Turner outplaying him at that right guard spot in game situations. Now, I don't know what's going on in practice and Turner's been known for not being the best practice player, but uh, to me, Turner, you got to find out about him this year. And, and I, I can't see any way that there's that big of a drop off anyway. And I don't think there is period between Bushrod and Turner. So if Bushrod runs the job, he's going to play it for one year and then you're going to lose both players. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So I'm right there with you, Paul. Number three for me, there's a few guys that could have been, but as much as I don't want to go with this guy, I kind of have to, and that, that's Lippa. He got beat up a little bit yet again. I still like the potential of this kid. I still like the promise of this kid, but you get beat continuously, you're going to get called out for it. And for me, this game still showed that Lippitt is very raw and still has a lot of room for improvement. I have not been impressed with Tony Lippitt, and it hurts me to say that because I, I had some high expectations for him coming into this year. I thought if it was uh, there was a player on the roster that the Dolphins could have some faith in based on potential, I thought Lippitt could be that guy. But um, Aldrich Robinson, number 19 for the Falcons, ate his lunch on two drives. And, you know, I haven't been impressed with him really this preseason at all. And for a former wide receiver, 1,200-yard receiver of Michigan State just two years ago, you know, I'm not seeing those ball skills either. He had a few opportunities to come come away with some passes, and he's not undercutting those routes. Paul, uh, for my three, uh, for the negative reasons, Number one's going to be Jay Ajayi. I'm sorry, but I feel when it comes to Jay Ajayi, it takes so much effort for this guy to get four yards. I, you know, Arian Foster goes up, makes a cut, and it seems like he just glides. Lamar Miller had that speed, obviously. We don't have to get into that again. And Isaiah Pete, I see a lot of ability to get from point A to point, a, point B quickly. I like Ajayi's power, but whenever he bounces it to the outside, it's slow. Whenever he goes out into the flat and catches a pass, it looks awkward. I'm thinking that this is more of a fourth-quarter hammer, kind of like LeGarrette Blunt for the, for the Patriots without punching people in the face. I'm torn on Ajayi. I mean, when he caught the pitch on the on the first play, uh, he got leveled. But really, the defense the defense was there the second he caught the pitch. He does have a tendency to look a little bit more like he's having to put more effort into things. But that may just be a difference in the approach between him and Darren Foster. So I need to see a little bit more because I've seen enough that I like out of him. But I, I can definitely see your point there. Paul, my second player is Mario Williams. You know, I'm, I understand that he's a big hulking player and, you know, he's not going to have that quick twitch pass rush ability that Olivier Vernon had, but I'm looking for a little bit more out of this point or, or at this, at this point was hoping that he was going to go up against the Falcons offensive tackles and start to get into the backfield a little bit instead of just controlling the edge. Yeah. And the way this preseason is playing out, one thing that we may see is because Let's face it, Mario Williams has done a good job in run defense. He has more power to him. Love what he's done there. But he has been slow in getting to the quarterback. And who knows if it's based on preseason and they're not putting out the maximum effort or based on but we could potentially see a scenario based on the play of Andre Branch, et cetera, where third downs, when we expected Mario Williams to be on the field opposite Cameron Wake, we may see Andre Branch or Wormsley or 
possibly even see Earl Mitchell kick outside. Somebody with a little more speed up field that can get to the quarterback. Let's face it, if Mari Williams plays like he has been, he's not going to get to the quarterback very often. And, Paul, the third guy on my list is Jameel Douglas. You know, I felt that he was heading into the, this offseason was a lock. And now after seeing him in a couple preseason games, he, he is a legitimate third-string practice squad level type of player uh, at this point. And I see him getting run over both in pass protection and run blocking by, by third and fourth stringers. Yeah, and let's face it, the emergence of guys like Steen and Urbic really make him expendable. So he needs to be stepping up, and he's not doing it by all by all accounts based on his playing time. I'm assuming he's not doing it in practice. And let's face it, when the games have been on, he hasn't been doing it there either. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that it is a huge disappointment because he was a guy that looked like he had so much long-term potential coming out of college and definitely seemed like he might be done potentially at the NFL level as a whole. He doesn't look very interested in playing football. Uh, that's a problem. I, the only way I see Jameel Douglas making this roster is if it's because of loyalty to the GM that drafted him and Mike Tannenbaum and because of because of his salary is, is under a million dollars, where if you keep a Craig Urbick or a Sam Young, they're probably going to cost you a little bit more money. But I don't know. I think he may have already outworn his welcome. Paul, does anything else jump out, out at you from this game? Uh, I will say Shamil, Shamil Gary. I think really locked up his roster spot. I know we've talked about him a lot in previous weeks. Juwan James definitely seemed to step up his game in this one. And, God, it was nice seeing Rashad Jones get an interception at the goal line yet again, showing that he really is the Rashad Jones we all know and love. So there was a lot of good play. And actually, Byron Maxwell didn't look too bad over on the other side, which I know was a concern for a lot of us. Defense definitely played physical. And that quick tempo with the offense, you could physically see the toll it was taking on that defensive line and the linebacking core. So a lot to be excited about. And I know the fourth preseason game is coming up. I know everyone's going to be disappointed if we lose. Uh, the little part of me will, but nobody relevant is going to be playing in this game, at least as far as regular season playing time are concerned. A lot of deaf guys will be playing. Let's not lose our cool no matter what happens. I love me some uh, Shamil Gary at this point, and he, he was Robbie fourth quarter. He absolutely lit up uh, the Falcons wide receiver. I, I can't remember the name of him across the middle. It was initially ruled a fumble, and then it was overturned. Yeah, and looking at Juwan James, he went up against Vic Beasley, former eighth overall pick, a, a speed rusher, and I thought he played very, very well in this game. But then again, James does tend to struggle more against the power rushers instead of uh, the, the speed rushers on the outside. Paul, following the game, the Dolphins did cut 11 players. Three of them really stuck out. Matt Hazel, Brandon Harris, and, and Viston Painter. The others that were that were cut, uh, Keel Blunt, the linebacker and son of former Hall of Famer, cornerback Mel Blunt, Ryan DeSalvo, the long snapper, Marshall Cohn, the kicker, who I'm really rooting for to, to get on with somebody else, nailed a 45-yard kick here in this Falcons game. Al Luigine, not saying sure if I'm saying that correctly, but who cares? Brandon Shippen, the wide receiver, tight end, Gabe Hughes, guard, Reuben Carter. Paul, did you shed a, a little bit of a tear with Matt Hazel after he was he finally bit the dust? I I was pretty surprised. He showed a little bit this preseason. By all accounts, he, he flashed in practice. And I know he was one of my riskier takes on my 53-man roster, but I didn't expect him to get released at this point in time. So, Kat, looking around the league, I know there's been a lot of cuts a little bit early ahead of the deadline. 
who stood out to you so far as somebody that might be able to come in and help the Dolphins out in terms of the regular season in the final 53? You know, I really didn't see many players. One is uh, cornerback uh, Kawan Williams for the Browns. He's somebody who started some games for them last year. He's going to be suspended for the first two games this season for the Browns, but somebody who could really come in, play that nickelback role as long as you feel comfortable with him. You know, the Dolphins are just throwing crap against a wall cornerback other than Maxwell and seeing what sticks anyway. You know, why not do it here? And the Chargers cut James Jones. I I don't think the Dolphins should take a look at him, but that's an interesting name that was cut. Other than that, Paul, I really don't see a lot of names that really stuck out. But when we cut down to the 53-man roster here on September 3rd, I think that's going to be a completely different conversation. Having said that, looking at the Dolphins here uh, on September 1st, they're going to play the Tennessee Titans. It's going to be the final preseason game before we get into the regular season. And we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. It's it's gonna be an interesting game. Um, the Dolphins are gonna be deciding whether or not the final three or four players on the roster are really worthy of making the roster. And follow us, please, on uh, Twitter and on Facebook on the Fin Side, and have your Facebook questions and Twitter questions with the hashtag FinsideQ. And remember, if it's not on the left side and it's not on the right side, it is on the Fin Side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again. We rep our team, you can't change, stop or ruin it. All we need is to figure what to do to win. Fins radio, live and direct. Win or lose, we showing up for every contest. No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered. Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar. Rockin' Apple Orange over here, then you familiar. Every week they coming through our speakers to fulfill the crepe we have to hear about our team and all the latest news. Vets, the rookies trying to make the team paying dues. Current players and alumni interviews. City to city, state to state, follow the moves. Dolphins talk set to go Best sports team and show all across the globe Fin It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fin side It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fin side It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fin side It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fin side so low, so low, so low, deep. So low, so low, so low.